episode 93 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me, as always, my co-host, Lucas Egg. And Lucas, how was your weekend, my friend? My weekend was good. I did a little celebrating with my girlfriend. I got to give her a shout out. Uh, She's going back to school and nearly aced her first major exam. So shout out to her for uh, putting her best foot forward and uh, getting some confidence that, hey, you know, you got this. (laughs) Other than that, though, uh, just relaxing, did a little chores, was assembling a new desk. Uh, So it was overall a productive uh, weekend. Not much gaming, unfortunately, but... uh, Productive. So I guess we all need some of those weekends, unfortunately. (laughs) How was your weekend, Ryan? Good, good. Mine was very much the same. I was super productive. This is the first week that we had uh, the GameCast not on Saturdays. We did it on, we, we moved it to Friday nights. So that was awesome. Just being able to have the weekend. I did a, do a lunch thing with the Inferno um, here on Saturday, but the rest was like cleaning and chilling out. We went to a, a pumpkin patch, uh, met up with my brother and his family and, and all that stuff. And uh, I got, I did get some, some decent gaming in. So it was overall a fantastic week. But enough about us. Uh, our guest today, Dave Thompson, CEO of Changing Vegas, uh, both a, a indie game development uh, studio along with the film studio uh, working on Asteroid Arena. Dave, we are so happy to have you here. How was your weekend, my friend? Oh, it was great. Yeah. And uh, thanks for having me, Ryan and Lucas. I appreciate it. But uh I've just been busy dealing poker like it's the world series yeah. of poker and uh you know I I'm a casino dealer so uh you know I've it's been interesting <laughs> like yeah. it, it's the first major tournament since the pandemic so it's nice to see everyone you know back and it's it feels like Vegas is starting to come back so that, that's nice to see for sure. And as, as fellow poker players, one day we're going to be at the final table of the main event and just oh, reveling in those yeah. millions yeah, of dollars it. that we're winning. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, first up, though, before we start, we get in, we really dig deep with Dave. Uh, we've got a couple of topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Lucas, we just had the Halo Infinite campaign overview drop, and that's huge. I mean, we know right now at this point we're almost what a month a month and a half out from this game actually releasing so this is this is going to be xbox's first like major game for the new generation for them so this is going to be a huge drop for them we know that we're going to get the free um multiplayer so everybody's going to have the opportunity to play this game also if you have game pass you've already got this game yay me uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is huge and and, and we know too that halo not only is a great shooter but it's got a fantastic story as well so for the continuation of this story, I know a lot of people are excited for that aspect of it. This is this is a huge drop. The hype is real. It is almost here. It is almost time. We've had delays after delays. You know, we went into the pandemic. Everything slowed up. There's issues with multiplayer. So to finally be on the the precipice of this game releasing is super exciting yeah i i cannot wait to play the campaign uh you know i've always been partial to the story uh you know 
Xbox was my first home console I ever owned and bought. Halo was that first game, obviously, that got me just hooked into what a first-person shooter could be, both multiplayer-wise and campaign-wise. And, I mean, Microsoft has a ton of amazing studios now, but Halo is still synonymous with the Xbox. And it just didn't feel right. And I know why they had to delay the game, but it just didn't feel right not to have Halo out on the new Xbox system. And I'm glad we're getting it now. I just can't wait. I cannot wait. You know, this trailer gave us a little bit of a look at a new AI companion. Uh, and I, you know what? Bring it on. You know, December cannot come soon enough. Major, major win for Xbox to have this right around the holidays. Because, mm-hmm. man, if you own an Xbox or you're a Game Pass member, do it. If you're not a Game Pass member, I, I am willing to bet this campaign is worth to at least give Game Pass a try. Because, this is just such an epic series. So many great memories for so many people. And let's go. Let's go. Huge. Absolutely huge. Dave, does this one got you excited? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I like shooters. I like shooters. I'm more of a strategy game guy, but mm-hmm. Halo came out when I was in high school, like Halo, Halo 2. That's all me and my friends played. So right. uh, it's it, it's really cool. And even uh, if I don't buy the game myself, I love to keep up on the story. And like what's going on? I mean, like you said, it's it's just synonymous with the Xbox. So it's really cool to see like the evolution of the brand and everything. Yeah. And for me, I'm excited. I still have because I never owned an Xbox. So I have the Master Chief collection on PC. I started it. I am terrible and and I have trouble <laughs> finishing things. So I, I'm still working through Halo 1. Uh, so it's like. And, and, and for me, like at first, I was gonna try to grind it out and be like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there." And I realized there is just no way that that is gonna happen with the amount of time that's left. I'm gonna take my time with it. I do plan on going through this campaign. I'm a huge fan of Destiny, and I know Destiny is a derivative of Halo. So you know, even the little bit that I have played within Halo, I, I can. There's so many similarities, you know. Gun-wise, gunplay-wise, uh, enemies w- between Halo and and um, and Destiny. I already know that I'm going to enjoy this series, so it's something that I'm serious. I'm excited that I'm excited for people that that have grown up with this game and to have another iteration in this series come out is always an exciting time. There's some really cool mechanics that I've seen. I'm going to be playing the crap out of the, out of the multiplayer for sure. So it's nice that I'll still be able to play the game without necessarily having to jump directly into the campaign. Um, This is a huge win. And like you're saying for Xbox, this is a huge win. They, they need, they need this game out there, especially with the new consoles being out. The next issue is, can we get consoles into people's hands? Because it's all great having it. But if, if, if people don't have the console, it's going to affect the sales. It's going to affect some of those numbers. Obviously, it's going to have help because you have it on Game Pass. So you're going to have a higher number of people playing the game regardless of sales. So that might mitigate some of that. But that's got to be something that they're thinking about as well as they're as they're going in. It is going to be a huge boon, the fact that it's coming out in the holiday season. So you're going to have more people uh, willing and, and and with some of that income to be able to get and purchase this game. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward, not only 
for because I mean this is a huge undertaking, right? You have the campaign. We're excited for that. But what they're doing on the multiplayer level, I really think that they 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 have put a lot of focus and energy and resources into that section of the game. So I'm really curious to see what they do in terms of. I mean, you got to think competitively. There's going to be a competitive scene for it, and, you know, and and I I think they really saw the importance of of their competitive scene and of the pvp aspect of it so this overall this is going to be a complete game and i'm happy it's almost out into the world yeah I, yeah yeah i oh so, sorry go ahead my bad. no no go for it dave you go for it um i you well, know, I, I was watching the trailer while you guys were playing it and uh i think it's really cool how the multiplayer is free to play and you pay for the campaign mm-hmm. like like you were saying competitively because our game is about esports and like accessibility is huge and the mm-hmm. fact that like a brand new player can come in and be on an equal playing level with someone who's been playing a while i mean that just opens it up for the streamers and competition and stuff so that's that's a really exciting part about it for me at least after seeing the trailer so yeah, yeah that is a yeah. great point you know it, it it brings me back to like i've, I've never been a big uh, multiplayer uh, player for Call of Duty and a lot of it was because I always felt like I was jumping in way too late and like mm-hmm. I didn't exactly want to buy the game only to just keep dying over and over and over again with no real easy way to get better and so having multiplayer free to play is, is is an easy way for players to jump in and not have that pressure of I just spent $60, $70 on this game and I can't even survive long enough to even figure out systems or how to get better or what weapons to <laughs> yeah, use. Yeah, that'd be really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> that is basically the the Call of Duty arc for me. Like, That's pretty I'm much me whenever week. I pick up a shooter nowadays. I'm still in like Goldeneye 007 level. Like, I'm fucking Nintendo 64, man. Like. <laughs> it's true. People get so good so fast at these games. Yeah. They'll put in like 100 hours in a week and I'm just like, what? Like, who's got time for that and i'm just like they're too good now i can't i can't play anymore yeah, it, it, it's crazy man like i mean because back when i was a kid i mean it was like uh part of it was before the internet like i'm on the cusp mm-hmm. of millennial right so for a while all we had were consoles and like computer games and stuff and mm-hmm. like now that people can stream and play against each other and like see all the tricks like before you had to figure out all that for yourself but now there's like yeah look I, I'm basically just agreeing with what you said is that they're just way too good. <laughs> <laughs> I just play everything casually now. I don't even, yeah, yeah. I don't even pretend like I could, I could be in that scene. It's just like, you guys are really good though. Like, I have my moments. I have my moments. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's exciting. I'm, 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 I'm excited for that to come out. I'm absolutely going to be playing, playing that, uh, the multiplayer, and then whenever I catch up on the campaign, you know I'm going to be about it. I, I will, though. I will. I've got to get through Metal Gear Solid 5 first. Okay. You know, I've got like two That's weeks. That's a great series, too, man. I know. I yeah. I've had it for like six years, and I still haven't completely beaten it. I literally have four missions left before <laughs> I beat the game, before everything is done. But they're just, they're just harder harder versions of missions that I've already done. So it's annoying, and I don't want to do it. Hold on, Dave. Hold on, Dave. Though, though, I need to explain <laughs> something here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject here. Oh, oh gosh! All right, here we go. Ryan has had these same four missions left for months, <laughs> for months. 
<laughs> I can't bring myself to do it. There's so many other good games out. Dude, like, uh, well, well, the thing is, is like, it's just like that boss that you die to like 20 yeah. times. Yeah. And they make you restart the level every single time. Like there's no save point And you're just, dude, like, I feel you. But seriously, like, just get them done, man. Yeah. Like, just, just rip the right. bandaid off. You can do it. Right. I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've got, but I, I said it, I said it regardless. I'm still, I'm still, uh, it, it was a hundred dollars, uh, to my friend's charity of choice. So we're still going to make that donation oh, cool. regardless. Just, yeah, this is more yeah, about my great. pride. This is yeah. about my pride. Well, well your pride's important too. Like, don't, don't undersell that. Like. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Regardless, I digress. There's some other stuff that went on out here. We're all from Vegas. Uh, we, we just had EDC was going on this whole weekend. And I thought it was really cool. This is Listen Up, Parents. Um, they had a EDC and Interactive uh, work together. I'm sorry, EDC and Interactive. Interactive, uh, who was working uh, with EDC, worked with Roblox and actually brought um edc to the metaverse this i feel is a long time coming this was their first event like this and and talk about uh, an opening event edc is huge that is a huge huge event out here so of course i had to hop on with my daughter because i was like i gotta check it out I was like that is so cool so we went and we played last night they had there's many games that you can play there's these little uh uh things there's like these these uh hills that you can have your pet because everybody gets a complimentary uh pet and everybody got a complimentary tent to be able to set up like a, a house uh, out there. And they had all these different areas that you can go to. There's like these little mini games that you could play. That was almost like Dance Dance Revolution, but like with keyboard pushes, it was really hard. I tried it, I failed miserably. Um, <laughs> there was candy that you can get. They had they had these stores and, and this is the big thing. And I see now, especially within Roblox and, and their Robux, Robux is their currency. So that's really where they generate uh, a lot of, a lot of, it's a free game, but they have these in-store purchases that you can make. They had like customized glasses and things special for EDC and the event. One of the, really 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 cool parts about this is the fact that during the performance i you know we we walked around we went to different stages and i thought it was really cool that they were actually live streaming um the event on these screens in the game which i think is is fantastic and this really really opens up these IRL events and what you can do now in the digital space. And I think it's so important. Again, I think that's kind of one of those weird, hey, we went into the pandemic, but one of the good things that really opened up people's eyes and made them be like, hey, this is the only thing that we can do. Let's try this out. And it's worked and we're seeing more. Of, of course, I gotta get, I've got to give credit to Fortnite and Fortnite being the one that really kicked off these events and these in-game things that are happening. But this was crazy. Like literally a live video feed in the game. I, I'm sitting there doing my dance. There's other people dancing. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, this, what, yeah what that looks really cool. 
Yeah, that yes. looks really cool. Yeah, it's awesome to see, uh, you know, and, and from a personal perspective, EDC has always been one of those things I've been kind of curious about, but dreaded, like, going in person, <laughs> dealing with traffic and, and mm-hmm. uh, all the, the craziness that can happen there. Uh, so, like, stuff like this is just so encouraging because you get to still be part of a community. You still get the experience. Uh, but, but you know, especially for people that maybe can't afford to travel, you know, or don't feel safe enough to go to large crowds or, or for a multitude of reasons, this is a way to still feel connected to what you love, but do it in a different way. And, uh, you know, Ryan, we've talked about this before that the future, there's, there's a very, very interesting future in this going forward. And mm-hmm. we just love to see it. We love to see this kind of stuff. And uh, I can't wait to see what, what more and and with other platforms and and what they can do so yeah super exciting yeah there's this uh like with our game so um i i don't want to get into it too much because we're going to talk about that later but uh we're playing on using the metaverse and it it looks really similar to this there's this thing called uplift and basically Mm -hmm. you can sell nfts it's like a minecraft server right like a private minecraft server and you Mm -hmm. make events just like this to sell your nfts and stuff so yeah, it's it's really cool just to see like the digital merging with the physical world and like the uh, EDC. Usually, the only experience I get with this is like seeing all the crazy outfits of all the blackjack players. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I haven't like 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 uh, Lucas said, I haven't been down there yet. But l- look at this, you went as a Lego person, so that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Like that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, you know, this is and I think this is something to you that uh, especially speaking from a, a parent perspective, something that you can do with your kids that they would be able to enjoy. I, I know my daughter absolutely loves Roblox. I know a lot of kids. Roblox's primary base is little kids. So to be able to have events like this, I think this is a way for parents to be able to connect with their with their children as well and kind of get in and see what this younger generation, you know, what they're growing up with and the capabilities of the things that they can do and and what's going on. So as a parent, you're kind of in the know of of what's happening, what's I don't want to sound at, at the risk of sounding old, hip uh, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. This is awesome. So we were just dancing and, and hanging out and played some of the games. And this is just a, it, it's so cool seeing. And I, I feel like things like this are really still very much in an, in its infancy stage. So I'm really curious and excited to see. I know that there was even um, conventions uh, that will utilize the space like this and have like a virtual platform and virtual world that you can you can interact with people and you're still getting a con experience. It's just all virtual. So I, I love seeing technology and and these other other I guess events and stuff really merge together and and come out and people be able to see, oh, I didn't even know that this is something that could be possible. So very cool stuff. Roblox, you know, Fortnite innovating. There they they it's just that was the start of it all as far as with that and showing people what you can really do in this digital world. So very very cool for for Roblox. I'm 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 I can't wait to see what else they do too because I this is just the beginning for them doing this stuff and I know that they're really building out 
their metaverse and the things that you can do in Roblox. You've got you've got kids that are developing games in Roblox, and and it, it's just crazy. I, I love to see stuff like that. It's so it's so unique and and just fun to watch. So what a great event to start with, too. I mean, EDC. Right? That's awesome. And it looks yeah. amazing. Like the graphics they put in were really cool. So, yeah, that's yes. Neat. Yeah, there's a bunch of different dances you can do. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. My daughter loved it, though. She absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's so cool. good stuff. Uh, regardless, you know, what? Let, let's take a quick commercial break and we're coming back talking with Dave, Asteroid Arena, all them things. We'll be right back, guys. If you love listening to us here on Land Parties, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the short messages. And now comes the fun part of the show. And Dave, I know we could jump in at a variety of points here, but I guess just take me back to the beginning and what what inspired you to start changing Vegas and, and how that came to be. Sure. Well, um, I have a background in casino gaming. I've been a casino dealer for over 11 years. And um, my our age group doesn't really play casino games. Because mm-hmm. like as gamers, you know, we're all about min-maxing and you're not going to play a game that you can't win. Like there's no point, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's why uh, guys like us like poker is because you can actually win. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you can't beat a math problem. So like I had this idea and I started as a casino game company, skill-based games like poker where you play against each other instead of the house. It's like less predatory and, it can, and you can actually make money by playing, right? Well... Mm-hmm we came up with all these casino games and then the pandemic hit and um, face to face. I mean, you remember what it was like for a while. Did, did you guys go out to the casinos well, when they had those big like gorilla cage glass things yes. on all of the, yeah. So it's like no one's, they're not buying table games when we can't even like, you know, interact with each other physically. Right. So um, we decided to make a video game. And so, that's what happened. And the idea actually came to me in a, in a dream. Funny enough, I just had this dream of all these aliens landing on this asteroid in deep space, like competing for resources and stuff. And that kind of just fed itself into the game. And 
now about nine months later, uh, the game's fully designed and we're looking for developers and in- developers and investors and stuff. And we're starting to get the concept art done. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's been a wild ride, man. But you know, it, it's interesting too because obviously the the pandemic forced a lot of in- industries to kind of rethink strategies and whatnot. Had the pandemic not happened, do, do you think you were on like a collision course to to make a game like Asteroid Arena anyway, or would that kind of altered what you'd be doing now? Do you think? Uh, to be honest with you, it probably wouldn't have happened just because. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to this is that having that much time off, I mean, you're getting off the hamster wheel, right? You can (laughs) unshackle the golden handcuffs for a bit and actually like think about what you want to do. And so that's kind of where it was. I was a little bit lost and not sure about, you know, if the casinos were even going to open. I mean, I've been a dealer for over 10 years and, you know, is my job defunct now? I mean, who knows? So it was kind of that that inspired me to get going on it. Yeah, you know that <laughs> I I know a lot of people that were in that kind of same boat where just the uncertainty, you know, of our industry is going to come back, what will they look like if they do come back? What yeah. does our future hold there? When when you're in a spot like that and then you do find inspiration for a game like Asteroid Arena, was was it easy then to make that jump and go, "Well, I just I'm just going to go for it." Like if not now, when? Or did was there was there any hesitation? Was there was there any other? I don't know. Was it an easy easy jump? I guess for you. Yeah, I mean, designing the game wasn't easy, but like the point that you're making, absolutely was easy because it's just like you said. Like, what else is there left to lose? You know. Mm-hmm. Plus, like the game turned out badass, so it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and go into go into the the game a little bit because I yeah yeah sure being an esport, I feel like this is very unique uh, in terms of esports. Well, okay, so the esports angle is really important because um, they're um, hang on, I lost my train of thought. Um, the Gaming Commission is looking at making Las Vegas the esports capital of the world. I mean, our mm-hmm. governor is, has even come out and said that. So um, it's our game naturally fits with esports, and it's funny because there is kind of connection with uh, casino games too, because a lot of these events and stuff are going to be hosted out of these new venues that these casinos are building. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we're not really quite sure what the relationship is yet, but I mean, the dream is to get video games into casinos, but who, who knows how long that'll take. But for now, like esports, um, using these arenas, hosting tournaments. Um, th- there's a few other things with our game. Like we're planning on having tournaments every three months. And then also we want a GPS feature in the game so that like if you're in the Vegas area, you get like bonus points and exclusive rewards and stuff. So Mm. it actually like it's huge for locals. And think about all the people that are flying in to visit. And there's this big billboard at the uh, airport that says, you know, Vegas's official eSport Asteroid Arena free to play. Download now for your free gift. Like think about how many people are going to be playing this game. So I think that like tying the success of the city and the future of the city along with the video game, it's kind of a unique niche that would be like, I think people would really dig it. So, yeah. And it's interesting that you said that I've been saying that for a little bit now too, how Vegas has been priming itself to be that esport capital of the world. And, and, you know, I, I think it does take something, something, 
that is unique because this not only is is you know you can play this digitally but there's also the the um element of it just being a board game as well which i feel like is a huge kind of underrepresented uh sector within games so what kind of made you yeah yeah. what what was behind that like kind of making that hybrid i love it yeah, well, um, first of all, I'm a super nerd, and you gotta you, you gotta worry about the D and D people, dude. Like you we're know. people too, okay? And we like these big old expensive collectibles. I mean, that's our thing, yep. and all the miniatures and everything. So it's for that. It's a great product, you know. And also, like as far as the gameplay, if you design it as a board game first, there's less random elements because it's a CCG, mm-hmm. right? And the reason why Hearthstone isn't popular as an esport is because there's too many random elements. And so mm-hmm. like the top players, they'll just get unlucky and lose, and which is really stupid for competitive play. So <laughs> like that that's why I designed it as a board game first, because there's less random elements and like every single card you play is a decision. And with mm-hmm. these kinds of games, if you make uh, more correct decisions than your opponents who make you know less optimal plays, then you're going to pull ahead and win the game. So that th- that was the idea behind that. When you're play testing it, I mean, w- what is that process like? And and uh, is it is it ever hard to hear like brutally honest feedback about stuff sometimes? Um, <laughs> I mean, like I I try not to have an ego about it. Obviously, you know, it's it's hard not to get it damaged if I like a particular card or whatever, but. Um, it's in the early stages. Like this is only the second iteration of the game. And before it goes live, I expect at least two or three more iterations. I mean, these CCGs are really complex and you just got to play tons, tons of games and just redesign the cards and tweak it. So, um, especially early on, you know, you don't really worry about that stuff until you get it right. So, but uh, as far as the play testing itself, it's been tough because of the lockdown because it's a board game right now, right? So right. Hmm. Uh, when everything's on shutdown, it's kind of hard to get people together. Uh, it's been easier lately. And then obviously once we get the demo done, it'll be way easier. But um, yeah, it's it, it's been good. I've, I've loved to hear what people have to say about it. What What is that feeling like when when you, you slowly start to kind of roll it out and, and see other people get their hands on it and it goes from, you know, concept in your mind to people are trying it and and you're trying to like gauge reactions and all that i mean it, it, it's addictive like um especially <laughs> after, yeah it's it, it's really cool i mean um i studied art in college and i ended up switching to communication and then segued into like customer service businesses like bartending and dealing and stuff but um it's let me get in touch with my creative side and there's just something about putting your heart into a project and then seeing the reactions from people both positive and negative um it's it's really rewarding so th- that's been nice yeah you know and and you know to, t- to talk a little about becoming you know vegas's official esport there obviously that that's a huge goal to have in mind what yeah, are those yeah. steps that you see yourself needing to take to get to that point sure well we've we've taken a bunch already i mean first you got to claim the space so mm-hmm. you know it's our slogan the official esport of las vegas um when we knew we would need the help of the city so the very first meeting we had was with the the Las Vegas uh, Economic Development Board. And uh, we met with Liz, who's like uh, in charge of uh, urban development and stuff. And then she linked us up with Blackfire. Um, It's this innovation center. It's basically like a tech startup hub. 
It, and it's yeah. a joint venture between Caesars Entertainment, UNLV, and uh, Las Vegas. So um, we've been working with them and their advisors and um, just going to local events, making our presence known. Um, it's all about community with these types of games, especially as an indie company. Like we're the official eSport of Las Vegas. So if we get Las Vegas downloading our game, that's going to get the attention of other people and they're going to start it. So it's just... I like to take a more holistic approach, especially now when the gaming industry is like dominated by big corporations. It's nice to mm-hmm. like take a more holistic approach to the business. And I think people respond to that and respect that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I feel like especially now there's there's a lot of talks about NFTs, uh, blockchain, things yeah. of, you know, within that sector kind of break down how does that how do these two play together or what are your hopes for that sure well um there's huge potential with uh nfts and Mm -hmm. because i'm not a huge crypto guy like i got about a hundred dollars invested in crypto like i'm not Mm -hmm. it's not really my thing but um i do see the potential of nfts like i have a background in crowdfunding and Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot less restrictions using nfts and like the you know for for maybe some of your listeners that aren't familiar with it the way someone described an nft to me is like a certificate of authenticity right so mm-hmm. those old commemorative coins that the us mint used to sell and you get your official you know document verifying <laughs> its authenticity like that's pretty much what an nft is right it's it's a coin that's attached to like an object to prove its authenticity so what we want to do is we're bootstrapping the game up to a certain point and we're hiring all these Las Vegas locals. We've got eight different alien factions in the base game, and we're hiring eight different artists with eight different art styles. So we're going to get this, you know, collection of high quality, like science fiction, Las Vegas art. And then we're going to release the packs as NFTs, and we're going to use that to fund the game. So um, what you do is that if you can find talented artists, you take your art development and your concept art, which is normally a sunk cost and you turn it into profit by Mm -hmm. like building hype for the game and stuff. So initially um, that's how we see NFTs is a way to build interest in the project and get support and stuff. Now, later on, what's cool is that let's say we have this economy of NFTs we've built, right? And for every single Mm -hmm. update that we push with the game, we release a new batch of NFTs. Well, what we can do is, make exclusive NFTs that are available like through achievements in game or Mm -hmm. by attending our local events. And so you build this micro economy of NFTs and then you can actually like earn money by playing Asteroid Arena because if these NFTs Mm -hmm. are worth a hundred bucks each and you know, you get an achievement that's unlocked by only like 500 people or something, Mm -hmm. then that NFT is going to be worth some money. Oh yeah. So it's cool. And and with the local events, what I'd love to do is get to this point, and maybe this is like pie in the sky dreams, but uh, <laughs> what would be really cool is that after our NFTs were worth like two or 300 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And you attach them to your merch. So like, let's say you buy the board game for like $100 or something. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and so you get the board game and you get an exclusive NFT and the NFT is worth $200. But it, ta- but it only takes like 14 cents to mint the NFT. So if that's the economy I've set up, I can literally pay people to buy my products. 
Right. That's cool. Isn't that bizarre? Like it's it, it's like generating wealth out of nowhere and talk about giving back to your community. I mean, when if they if they know how to trade NFTs, they buy something and it helps my company and then they can double their money. Like Right. I mean, it's a no-brainer. So that's that's the end goal. And mm. so we're not quite sure how to get there, but we're starting with the concept art drops and kind of going from there. So Yeah, that whole sector is there's so much there and I still like I've had that, like, so many people have explained it to me, and I still can't wrap my head around it. I mean, it's complicated. I'm going to jump in it is what I'm going to do. But I understand because I have done things where, you know, you play a game, there's these challenges, you get these coins, and then those coins can be cashed in for cash. Well, see, okay, so, so like, you're talking about NFT in gameplay, and mm -hmm. I don't really like that. Like, what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, because of what you're saying, it's, like, it's confusing, you don't really know. Like in a lot of these NFT games, they have like burn mechanics and that's what you're Mm -hmm. talking about. You collect the NFTs and combine them and make cards and then you battle the cards. But I don't like that because it's totally pay to win, which sucks. Like like Mm -hmm. you you want your, especially esports, you want it free to play. Like you got to monetize, you got to get creative with your monetization and do it through Mm -hmm. cosmetics and crypto and stuff. So like what I want to do is set up these drops as more of like collectibles. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a collectible card game, right? So they're mm-hmm. collectible NFTs. And so mm-hmm. I want to lean more on like the fine art side instead of the gameplay because I don't want to alienate people right. that like, aren't mm-hmm. familiar with blockchain. But think about if you've been playing for a while and you get a push notification that says, hey, you've earned 13 NFTs worth $200, you know, join our Discord to learn how to trade your NFTs. You know, right, like maybe right. you can get some people into crypto through that way, through like video games and stuff. So um yeah i i see it as more of like a supplement rather than like a core part of the gameplay i think that's more of a gimmick you know i i've been a a CC, ccg fan growing up you know back oh, from like CCGs, man. right back from like the are, magic are you Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon guy like days. what's your favorite yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, one one thing that that I've always found fascinating as I've gotten older to watch is is finding that balance. You know, one one of the things with with Magic that that was always prohibitive to me anyway in terms of playing competitively is just them cycling out sets. Yeah. At a certain point, to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't make enough money to keep up. It's, too expensive. <laughs> it's just way too expensive. So, yeah, and that's the accessibility. Yeah. Exactly. So, 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 with, with CCG being a, a, a core part of your game, how do you yeah. find that balance as you kind of plan long term? Of obviously, you're going to expand. You want new yeah. mechanics going in, but without it getting crazy. Yeah, that's a great question. Like, I, I've actually thought a lot about this um, because. That's one problem with making a CCG in eSport is because if you're playing against some guy that's played for six months and he's got all the cards, like it doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. right? And so like it's it's, so it's not very good for new players. So um, my game's set up a little bit different. Like um, it's a four-player game instead of a two-player game. So it's got kind of like a social uh, game element to it. It also helps with the balance because if you pull ahead too early, then it's three against one. Basically, it's kind of like board game feel, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that helps. Um, and then, like for the accessibility, what I want to do is balance it kind of like auto chess. Do you play auto chess games at all? I have tried some. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so basically, what they do is that they have their set amount of champions, and then they make adjustments to them as they go on. But those mm-hmm. champions are like locked in until mm-hmm. their next major update. So what I want to do is do pre-cons 
So n- normal CCGs, you have to hunt down all the cards. Right. Well, when you download my game, all the cards are unlocked already. And, and you play pre-constructed decks instead of, and you monetize through cosmetics instead of chasing down the cards. Okay. Because like, it's a proven business model with like Fortnite and everything. So there's no reason you can't do that with a CCG. And that way the balance, you get the balance too. Because that's the main problem is that, you know, these development teams are 10, 15 people. And then once a hundred thousand people play the games, they figure out all the tricks, you know, but <laughs> yeah, like in all these unintended combo interactions and all this stuff, but with the pre-cons, you can control all that and make sure it's like an even playing field. So like, those are just some of the ways we're addressing what, what you're talking about, but yeah, it, it is a huge issue. Like accessibility is huge, especially for competitive games. Yeah. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Like I said, that's always been the, the bane of my existence with, with card games is, you oh, know, it's so I, annoying. I love it's them. Annoying. I get addicted to them, but then I was like, I'm going to go broke if I keep, <laughs> well, <laughs> if I keep. Well, especially like magic arena. Like, why don't they give you more gold? Why don't they give me more mm. gold? Like what's like, it's so prohibited. Like their whole crafting system, there's just too many cards and they don't give you enough wild cards. And it's just like you can build one deck and then you're you're done. It's right. like, and I'm a limited player and I don't want to pay 15 bucks just to play limited. Like I just, right. I don't know, it's just way too expensive. And but yeah. You know, one thing I do love about your model too is um, as more and more card games have, have gone the, you know, they have their physical release and now they've kind of dabbled in, in digital releases too. It It's always been annoying to me that I'm like, I could have the most extensive collection physically and then have to come in and be like, oh God, if I want to yeah, play. Start from scratch. Right, if I want to play Magic Online, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> so So I do love the idea of having pre-constructed decks because that takes a lot of that away where you're not like, I've invested so heavily in one side of this that the other side, I'm just like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the trick with that just becomes doing regular updates. I mean, like, you know, these types of games, they do major updates every two to three months. Mm-hmm. So like what we're <laughs> planning on doing is um, launching a major tournament in Vegas before every update. Mm-hmm. And we're shooting for every six months. So like our tournament schedule, what it's going to look like is that um, every six months is like a season. And each season, Mm. you go to a different planet. And so season one, uh, it's called uh, City World. And Mm. the the, the world is this, um, it's kind of like Coruscant from uh, Star Wars. It's like a city-wide planet, like Ravnica from, anyways, it's a city planet, basically. Mm. And the reason why it's so profitable is there's like, there's this spatial temporal area called chaos space that's like right off of city world and Mm -hmm. um the the whole premise of our game is that you're collecting hyper crystals they're like the most valuable mineral in the universe and because of the weird wonky conditions of chaos space it's one of the only known places in the universe that hyper crystals like exist right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. this whole economy is based around traveling into chaos space which is like a death trap basically and there's all these adventurers and hunters looking for the hypercrystals, right? So season one is going to be in chaos space while they're hunting for the crystals. And then season two is, uh, which is three months, it's halfway through the season, you go to City World. So basically, like, um, actually, I think I said that wrong. Each year is a different planet. And okay. every six months, it's, so first six months is chaos space. And we do an update halfway through. And then the second half of the year is City World. And like basically every single update, we're going to have a major tournament 
in Las Vegas. Ooh, I like yeah. that. I yeah. do. I mean, it's esports, baby. Like you got to do it. <laughs> let me let me ask uh, for somebody that is not and has not really played that many card games, or even like for me, it, they could be almost intimidating. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. there's a lot to go on. What are you, what are you guys doing to really kind of bring in some people that maybe haven't played it? Uh, yeah. or played games of that sort uh, necessarily? Sure. Well, I I could definitely understand that. And that was like a major concern um, because, as you know, like the, the non-traditional gamers uh, have mm. grown tons during COVID. And right. so like, you know, like uh, women and older people, like, you know, it's not just a bunch of nerdy white dudes anymore in their mother's basement. <laughs> like, you know, we're expanding. <laughs> and so like well, what you're saying is important. So, uh, like what I did is that the game is divided into eight different factions, as I mentioned earlier. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's like the core of the game and how we can address all these issues because mm -hmm. the really cool thing about this game and, uh, you're, you're going to flip out Lucas when I say this, <laughs> but, uh, instead of just having a life total and just attacking them until they're dead, each alien has their own way to win the game. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's all these conflicting mission objectives and stuff. And so, like, you have to know how to play your faction, but you also have to know how the others uh, are going to like their strategies and how to counter their abilities and stuff. Right. But mm. um, Ryan, what you're saying is that I designed some of the factions to be way easier to play than others. That doesn't mean they're weaker. They just mm -hmm. use like different strategies and stuff. Right. So there, there's this one, um, it's called the followers of Bob. Okay. And they're like the indigenous, uh, aliens that live on the asteroid. And basically they're like, it's kind of like an Incan thing. So they use mm -hmm. like blood rituals and stuff to empower their deity. And you win by summoning the deity into the mortal plane. Right. But their gameplay is defensive. It's turtle style. So you build mm. your walls and you like invoke, you know, your deity and you're just defending yourself against whatever everyone else is doing. So that's much easier strategy to pick up than like a combo deck. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, what I did is half of the factions are beginner factions and those are the ones in the tutorial. So you can kind of ease yourself into it a little bit and mm -hmm. see how other people play the factions and everything, play a few games with some beginner factions first and then maybe expand. So, you know, it, it teaches new players basic concepts like card advantage and tempo and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that, that was like a huge consideration. And it's all about like the different factions, breaking up the different strategies into the different aliens. You know, the, the pandemic has been such a double-edged sword for people, obviously. Uh, do you have a timeline on on when you want to roll out demo versions? When maybe, uh, do, you, do you have a, a goal timeline uh, for for the game itself, and um, I, I know local conventions, the con local convention scene here is still kind of picking up. Uh, you know, we're still waiting for some local conventions like level up and everything come back next year. So, do you have a plan for for hitting the the local scene here? Oh yeah, I mean, like we're we're, we're going to try to get into as many conventions as we can. Like, um, obviously, we're going for investors right now, but mm -hmm. uh, as far as the timeline goes. Um, about six months after our investment, we're going to have the demo out, like mm -hmm. the tutorial and maybe some AI battles and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then the game takes about two years to develop. But um, we're planning on doing 
uh, a release on Steam and we're going to do it kind of like Minecraft. So it's free to download and then we're going to update the game as we uh, go mm-hmm. and add new features and stuff until the full version is released. So um, that way we can kind of we can go to these conventions even when the game isn't like fully done and right. show people what we're working on. So. But yeah, I mean, all, all local, like if there's a if there's a gaming convention in Vegas, like we're going to be there. So sweet. Yeah. If, if I can ask a quick question about platforms there, I mean, obviously, oh, sure, sure. Obviously, yeah. Steam's a great platform to, to go up on. Do you do you have considerations for other platforms? Or is this something oh, yeah. that would be a, a downward yeah, like, thing? Like the, the reason why we're starting with PC is because, um, you know, like it's the largest demographic of gamers and mm-hmm. it's really easy for influencers to stream from their PC mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, obviously all the money's in mobile. And so, uh, we want to start with the PC version and then do a mobile version. Um, the mobile, I'm a little worried about the UI cause it's a four player game. Right. And right. so it might be kind of clumped. So I got to figure that out before we do the mobile version. But, um, yeah, we're, we're planning on just expanding to as many platforms as we can. And like, um, another thing we're looking at is our game's pretty cinematic, like the important thing is that it's as fun to watch as it is to play because it's esports, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so um, all of these streaming platforms are starting to invest in games and stuff. So we're kind of looking at that too. But um, that's all kind of up in the air at this point. I mean, we're still in the early stages. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point because I think one of the barriers to esports in general is if you're trying to get into an esport and you, you pick up a broadcast, the broadcasts are still very much inside baseball and, and it, it's hard mm. if you're new to that game to understand, like, like you just feel lost sometimes with, with some of the, the strategies going on. So when, when you think about stuff like, you know, you want to be Vegas's official esport, do you think about things of like, you know, how can people broadcast this? You know, is this easy enough that a broadcast could, could get it to a, a new player that's like, Hey, what is this? I'm just going to watch this and see what it is. Um, or, or, you know, do you see that as an issue, I guess, e- in esports broadly too, of, of expanding that audience to be open and appealing enough that, that people who are just like walking in almost cold Turkey can kind of figure out what's going on in the middle of, of a broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the tutorial is pretty important. And like you said, these games are a little bit more complicated. So, mm-hmm. um, like popping into a middle of a broadcast, I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. like, if they download the game and uh, play through, um, it, it's it's pretty simple to mix up. Like what, one thing that I tried to do when designing the cards is because like the power creep is a real issue with these games. Like if you look at Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, I used to play mm-hmm. that when I was a kid back when there were monsters, traps and spell cards. Yep. And like that's when the game was best and was when it was simple. Now they got these synchro summons and X, Y, Z and fusion. <laughs> like I have like, they lost me like five years ago. And right. you look at the cards and literally the entire text box is just like wall to wall text. And you're like, what the hell does this card even do? Right. <laughs> so, and this is coming from me who's played these games his whole life. So it's like, so, uh, I really wanted to make sure that the complexity came from the interactions between the factions. Like the yep. cards themselves are simple. So you can mm. pick up and, and you know, the card just says like, um, you know, two, two long range, you know, yep. like if you know mm. what long range is and you know what power and toughness are, you know what that card does. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like 
all of the cards that I designed are easy to understand. But where the complexity comes in is the four player nature of the game, because these Mm -hmm. games are usually one on one. So you're just trying to play your little solitaire match and get your deck going before your opponents do. Right. Mm -hmm. But with this, there's like a social element to it. And the way all the different mission objectives interact and stuff like uh, it's more about the politics and like understanding the other three factions that were chosen and like the strengths and weaknesses and how to, uh, you know, and if, if someone's pulling ahead, do you gang up on him? Do you work on your own stuff? Like, uh, and I want the decisions to be based more on that rather than understanding the cards. Right. You know, there's no reason to make games like this complicated. And that is one thing I wanted to do with this genre because I love this genre, but it's very unsupported for the reasons that you're talking mm-hmm. about. So like um, I see my game as kind of a bridge to bring in new people that are interested in CCGs. So speaking of the of the social aspect, is that something that you're looking at, especially like on the digital version of, you know, having some way for those since it is a four player game for people to be able to socialize or is that kind of you know maybe just something basic is it it, how much how much have you guys put in on that aspect of the game well um i do want some kind of interaction like um there's this game there's this card game called legends of runeterra it's the league Mm -hmm. of legends card game basically Mm -hmm. and how they do in-game interactions is through emojis so okay. you can load your emojis. Oh, excuse me. Um, you can load your emojis and then send them to your player like during the game. Mm-hmm. And um, that I'm leaning more towards that because like with the messaging and the private messaging, it'd be great if you get a voice chat or private messaging, but mm-hmm. then you have to moderate it. Right. And I don't want to be a babysitter. I mean, like I'm a game developer. I'm not, you know, a mom, you know, so right. like I don't want to. I I don't want to and like things like discord already exist. And so like, like when you do among us, you don't use the among us chat, you hop into discord and when they die. So like, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Like people are going to do that on their own. So I don't really see a need to, it just seems like a lot of work for not much reward to put it in the game. Um, Maybe like private messaging with guilds and stuff. Um, I could see that. Um, Or maybe you have to like be on your friends list in order to chat but like i don't think forums or anything like that is something i want to do how is the the world building the lore building side of this was is it fun to kind of come up with with the grander universe oh my gosh like that that's the best part man like coming up <laughs> with all these different aliens like w- what i did is that each of the aliens are based off of like tropes in uh either movies or games so mm. um like one of them's called the big game hunters right and it's a bunch of furries and they're hunting a dragon. <laughs> so it's like the animals, the smaller like Japanese animals are hunting the big old badass dragon, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- that one hits on anime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like an anime genre. And then I designed this other one called uh, the Hive Queen. And basically that's more of a hero style. It's kind of like the Zerg from Starcraft or um, like I-, I got the idea from Pitch Black. Okay. How mm-hmm. all of like the aliens were living in the core of the planet. And then after the other three land, there's all this commotion. And then they start like tunneling out of the caves and killing everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. and that's based on like alien sci-fi horror, that kind of thing. So like I took all the best parts and made like a nerdgasm of a game. (laughs) Like that was my goal to begin with. So and then like the planets and stuff um, like 
I build the aliens first and then you build the world like around the aliens. It, at least that's how I'm doing it. But yeah, it's just fun to get creative and bring the best parts of pop culture like together into uh, like my favorite genre of game. It's really cool. When when you're working with the local artists, do you give them any direction at all? Do you completely let them loose? Um, I give them a little direction. Like w- what I do is so um, the, the base version of the game that you've been showing um, that is not our concept art. I just pulled those, those images off the internet. They're like placeholders. And so Mm. I show them the cards and like the images that I pulled off. And I'm just like, so something like this, but in your style, like, um, Mm. we, we, we just got our first prints back from this local tattoo artist. His name's uh, Tufi. And, um, so he designed the gloops, which are like our mascot character. They're basically like flubber, combined with the flood from halo oh man (laughs) they're like little mischievous little dudes and they eat and multiply and then they have the ability to combine together and they turn into monsters basically yeah Mm. yeah there they are right there so um so like what what he did i had it more of like a cute kind of flubber thing and then when they combine they get nasty but uh, what Tufi did is that he's more of like a psychedelic tattoo artist kind of guy so he did like heavy ink and watercolor and like cartoons almost. Ooh. And mm. it turned out like way better than I would have done it. I mean, let the artists do their thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I provide a little direction, but it's an important, it's important to let them showcase their art. I mean, I think that's, what's going to make the NFTs uh, good is because it's the, the artist's um, interpretation of, you know, the aliens that I created, like that, that's what I want. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I mean, I I hate bosses working in the casinos when that pit boss is like hovering over you, making sure you deal blackjack. (laughs) Just let me do my job, like go away. Like I got this, you know, I don't want to be that pit boss to the artists. So Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, you got to leave them creative freedom. I mean, that's the whole point, you know? I know that you said the pandemic was the reason why that, that you had the, the inspiration, but mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we look at the, the longer view in your life, was this always a goal of yours or was, was this like a recent uh, development? It's always something that had been rattling around in my head because um, I mean, I used to design, like I was super into magic. Like mm-hmm. I used to design sets for fun. Ooh, and, man. and so like, it's more of I, I see it more as as like a like a mental exercise. It, it, it's like an unsolvable problem, and, and so it's really cool because CCGs there's all these checks and balances, and so creating a CCG, I mean I've only played them, I've never created them, and so you have to like think ahead and think about all these complex things ahead of time, and so like that's been a challenge, but. Um, I guess to answer your question, I've always really thought about it. I mean, I was into computer animation when I was a kid before I switched to psychology, art student, and Lord of the Rings. I saw the CCG, the, the CGI in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and it just blew me away. And I wanted to work in movies and animate. But, like, um, you know, it just didn't happen. But now that I'm older um, and I was given this opportunity, you know, for some time off to do it, like – it's a natural thing that I could have done sooner, but the pandemic and just not knowing in the uncertainty really pushed me to just go for it and do it. Well, yeah, I feel what like would, that, oh, sorry, go sorry, ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Lucas. No, I was, I was just going to say, I feel like that did that a lot of uh, 
just in different spaces where yeah. people are just like, you know, I'm just going to go for this or we've got this. I mean, if you're floor. not going to go for it now, like when? I mean, the world <laughs> literally shut down the entire world, not just the country, like the world shut down, dude. Like if, right. if you don't go for it now, like what, what are you waiting for? <laughs> so, so here's here's the real test right would younger you look at this game and be like yes <laughs> oh totally but that, that that's how i know it's good because <laughs> the younger version of the game like i i was a pokemaniac and this is like pokemon times three or four dude like it's like <laughs> I, I i'm telling you it's you know not not to toot my own horn but i'm really on to something here and it's not quite perfect but like it, with vegas like there's so much untapped potential. Like yes. the, the fact that the casinos overshadow everything, it's really hard for like entrepreneurs and stuff to get together. And the business community is all run like through the casino. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it's tough. Um, and so like in some ways we're really advanced cause we're like at the pinnacle of entertainment and talent, but like as far as networking and business and um, you know, investment groups, it's, we're, we're kind of behind the curve. So I, I, I want to bring people together to show locals that there's like another way to do these entertainment genres without like being predatory on people. I want this to be right. like a positive thing where the whole city comes together for the benefit of both the casinos and us. Like it's the city. We're trying to build up the entire city around this game. So, um, and I, I really think that that's like, the future of gaming, I mean, it's kind of mm -hmm. moving towards video games anyways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like right now, their target market is like 60 year olds and 50, 70 year olds that get their social security check and then they blow it in the slot machines. Like right. that's their target market. Mm -hmm. But um, if they're looking to get into esports, like they're expecting to get esports passed and then they just add it to the sports books. And, you know, you stream Fortnite or whatever people are playing, you know, but like the thing is, is that with the sports betting, they get it because they have the Raiders, they have mm -hmm. the Golden Knights, right? In order to be a legitimate sports betting, you need your own teams. Mm -hmm. And in order to be a legitimate esports, you need your own video games. Like you need content. Right. And, and so like that's. That's our niche. And I think that's the future of games. And it's what's going to open up skill-based games more than playing against the house. You move away from the predatory business model and you move towards like a facilitator of competition. And that's going to attract people like us. Because, I mean, if you're a high school, college guy, if you could drop out and make 50000 a year playing video games, like you would do it. Right. Like, and, and so. That that's the thing that Vegas does is that we can offer the venues and the tournaments. And uh, since you're mobile, these streamers are mobile, they can pick up their studios and move to Vegas. And so mm -hmm. what I want to do is just offer so many local incentives that if they're streaming this game or they want to stream this game for a living, then it's worth it for them to move to Las Vegas. And right. by doing that, you build the community. Right, because that's that's something that we can do as a gaming company that the casinos can't necessarily do is cultivate the community, and so like I I I see like because the end goal is to get video games so that you can play video games in casinos right and play mm -hmm. video games for money like that's the ultimate, and so um, you've just got to take a more 
I, so, sorry, there's, I, I could go on all day about this. But <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it, it's all about like min-maxing because gamers are all about min-maxing and like getting the most bang for your buck nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like that's what all these gotcha games and stuff are. And um, so there's no reason to, for us to play casino games because we know we're going to lose. Yep. Right. You know, and, and so like that's the thing with skill-based games is that if you're a better player, you're going to win. And so you can actually make a living playing video games or, or playing poker. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I want to do is open the door for skill-based games in Vegas. Like there needs to be more than just poker. We need all kinds of skill-based games. So that way people can roll up a stake and move out here, like during the poker boom and actually play games for a living like that. Th- that's what I want. That's what everybody wants. So it's definitely leaning towards that too. And they do, the yeah, casinos definitely. are taking notice of the fact, you know, I know that some places have experimented and putting some skill-based games on there. And I think we'll see more of that kind of stuff. Cause you're right. We're not going in taking whatever and sitting down at a slot machine. We, yeah. I would much rather play something that's challenging and based off of skill as opposed to just straight luck. So well, and the cool thing about having the video game first is that you can download it and practice for free. Mm -hmm. It's a free to play game. So you can train up for a few years or maybe you're not old enough to gamble yet and you play and like get your chops up. And then Mm -hmm. once you turn 21, you move out and play. So it's cool because that like when I'm talking to these investors, that's the thing that they're saying is like it's too complicated. No one's going to make this complicated because they're used to just like they want the slot zombies. They don't want (laughs) critical thinkers. And, but I'm just like, it's a new type of game. And so mm-hmm. you have the video game that's separate from the casinos. That's very important because you got to cultivate your customers and like teach people how to play the game. And right. so that way that opens the door for like more complicated casino games, I think. I agree. That is, I I love it. Uh, Dave, again, tell us where, where can we find more information about it? When this is going to be out? Where can people get their hands on it? Lay it on yeah. us, brother. Uh, all right. So um, our website is changing.vegas. Um, I would just go to that for now. And all the links to our social media are on there. Um, we have a Twitter page at the Las Vegas Sun, S-O-N. I thought you guys would like that. <laughs> and, you know, no, no offense to the RJ or anything. It's just catchy. Like, I thought, oh, God, I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, yeah, they're going to meet me on the parking lot now. Um, but uh and then uh, we have a YouTube channel that's called Changing Vegas. Um, we haven't posted in a while, but we're about to do like a really big content push coming up here. So, yeah, just subscribe um, and, you know, you'll you'll see as we move forward. Love it. Dave, yeah. again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing yes. Asteroid Arena. Definitely going to be following that. I can't wait to, to dig into it and play it as well. So yeah. well, thank well, you so much for being yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're good, if you want to play, okay, I, I got your email. I'll, once I get the beta version, I'll, I'll shoot you an invite. Man. Yeah, absolutely. let me know. I would absolutely. Yeah, I'd yeah, love to have I you guys as playtesters. It'd be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We appreciate it. Hey, th- thanks for having me. It was great to be on. Absolutely. All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend? We know that we've got that uh, Sony's got their, their state of play here the day that this episode drops. So I'm sure we'll be hearing about that. We've also got a review uh, that went out yesterday. I'm, 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 we'll talk more about that. <laughs> what do you got going on, Lucas? Right. So in addition to that mysterious thing that, that people want to know about, I, uh, I am going to try against my better judgment 
Uh, so Resident Evil 4 is coming out for the Oculus Quest. Yes. <laughs> and I'm both intrigued by playing one of my favorite like horror games in VR, but I'm also a little worried that I'm going to give myself I'm a heart attack by this. <laughs> but I'm going to try it. My girlfriend will be on standby to call an ambulance just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. How about yourself, nice. Ryan? <laughs> uh, I'm going to try. I, you know, I'm always on that Destiny grind. We got some. I, I finally got the 1K from the last Wish Raid. So that was huge. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll be playing that. I'm going to try to get some more time. I haven't played New World here. It's been almost like it's been like a week and a half, almost two weeks since I've gotten back on that. But I'm I'm liking the fact that I'm just casual. I'm not grinding it out. There's so many times I've tried to grind games out and like that. And then I'll end up getting burned out on it. It's like I know it's a long push to, to max levels and this and that. So I'm just enjoying that game taking my time and and having fun with it so other than that i don't have a whole lot so it should be a nice and chill weekend let me ask you one question oh. metal gear will come in at some point <laughs> <laughs> i'll try to work that in i'm gonna try to work that in at some point <laughs> We'll see how that goes. So regardless, we hope you guys have a chill rest of your week and a chill weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, check us out on the tweeters at Land Party, at Land Parties Pod, at Lucas Eggner, at Smitty2447. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel. We're trying to do a better job of getting these, uh, getting that backlog of these episodes uploaded there. So make sure you check that out as well. Regardless, we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces.